0: Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Steeple Church Online. Uh, If you've not met me before, my name is Corey. I have the pleasure and privilege of serving this beautiful community known as Steeple Church as the Senior Pastor. And this morning, we're going to jump into Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be reading from verses 9 to 14. And uh, I've got to give a shout out to Pastor Dan, who is the inspiration for this morning's message. He shared a little devotion with the team at the start of this week, and I haven't been able to shake it. And so uh, I've been stuck in that. And so uh, this morning, by way of encouragement, we're going to kind of delve into it. And my prayer is that you'd be encouraged as we do so this morning. So let's read. Romans 12, verses 9 to 14 says this. Love must be sincere. I love that. But I also love how the Amplified Version kicks off this verse. It says this. Love must be sincere and active. The real thing without guile or hypocrisy. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour. Serving the Lord. I love this verse. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer and practice hospitality. We're going to spend a little bit of time in this verse this morning, but I love those four points. We're going to unpack those just a little bit again by way of encouragement. Pray you bless this morning. But let's pray before we jump into it. Father, I thank you that you are our hope. I thank you, Lord, that you are patient. Uh, in times of affliction and suffering. God, I thank you that you are faithful to us. You're a faithful God, and we thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you practised hospitality, you demonstrated hospitality, you showed us how to give expression to hospitality by sending your only Son for us. Lord, we give you praise this morning. We pray that you are, your, your Gospel is amplified and your name is glorified in all that we say and do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you've been around me for a little while, you're probably aware that I'm a very intense individual. My counsellor uses the word passionate, but that's really just a nice, lovely way of saying the same thing. I am intense. Uh, And I don't shy away from that. So it's not really a stretch to imagine that my family, my immediate family, is also very passionate. And so growing up as a teenager, throughout my teenage years, I had a a number of fiery disagreements with my family, mostly over nothing, uh, mostly because of my volatile teenage hormones and all the teen angst I was carrying around. But every now and then, during one of these disagreements, during one of these conflicts that I'd have with my family, I would get so worked up, so angry, that I would uh, throw a tantrum, say some nasty things to my parents or my brother, whoever I was having the argument with, and uh, run away. Now I use the kind of the inverted commas there when I say run away because for me, I wasn't really committed to the idea. For me, what running away looked like as a teenager was grabbing a couple of muesli bars, some potato chips, throwing it in a backpack with a jumper, grabbing my basketball, because I took that thing with me everywhere, and I'd run away to the park where I'd spend maybe an hour or so sulking before getting hungry, then returning home again, crying a little bit so it felt sincere, uh, and then asking my mum to cook me up something to eat. I don't know if you've had similar experiences, whether you were like me, whether you kind of ran away and chucked tantrums, uh, but if you are in any kind of relationship, if, you're in, if, you, if you work with people, um, if you're a part of a family, if you have friends, if you have work colleagues, then I can guarantee you that you probably would have experienced conflict along the journey. If you're in any kind of relationship, then conflict is going to happen. But there is definitely a difference between healthy conflict and unhealthy conflict. A healthy conflict, or to have a healthy conflict, that will occur in a relationship that is marked by respect, mutual respect and trust. Participants or people in relationships like this, when they uh, have conflict, they're able to express different thoughts and opinions without fear of being bullied or put down um, for having a difference in opinion in an unhealthy relational conflict One person or group will often attempt to manipulate, to overpower or assert power over or dominate another group or another person by talking over them, blaming them, claiming superiority or putting the other person or people group down using derogatory comments or negative statements. Unhealthy conflict rarely leads to a positive resolution without a neutral third uh, third party's intervention. That's kind of what's happening here in the book of Romans on a different scale. Paul, in this letter to the Roman church, is intervening in a conflict that was teetering on, if not slipping over the edge into unhealthy conflict territory. Paul is writing this letter from the island of Corinth, sight unseen. He'd never been to Rome. He'd never uh, met with or experienced the Roman church in action, but he has heard of the division and conflict that's happening amongst the church. So he's writing this letter to a church that is divided between Jewish believers, the OGs of the faith, and Gentile believers who are getting hung up on which rules and traditions, which laws to follow, which ones are most important, which ones get you in, the good grace of God, which ones keep you in that place, and which ones exclude you. They are a church in conflict, and they are divided on every issue from cultural and ethnic perspectives on theology, worship practices, food laws, and how to engage and practice the Sabbath. You know, If this letter was written to the Church of Melbourne in our context today, the areas of conflict and division that we might be talking about might be around government control, lockdowns, vaccinations, same-sex marriage, women in leadership, and the list goes on and on, right? And even though this letter was written almost 2,000 years ago in around AD 57, I feel like we can relate as a church. We're in relationship, and so we're going to have conflict. But in this moment, Paul is attempting to bring unity through this letter, and I love how he does it. He doesn't do it by attacking, dehumanising or diminishing people or their culture or their perspectives because all of those things add value, but he reminds them, he refocuses and regrounds the church in what unifies them the most. And while culture and tradition and heritage all add value and add flavour to community, those are not the things that unified them. And it wasn't even their theology or their understanding of law or their worship styles that unified them. Unified them and that unifies us. The thing that crossed cultural, political, theological, and practical divisions in order to unite, to reconcile, and redefine not only the church but all of humanity was and still is the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the gospel. Our unity is found in the way, the truth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. It is discovered in the liberating truth that our justification, our personal and corporate righteousness or right standing with God and with each other and with all of creation is something that comes from God as a free gift of grace that can only be received by faith and that will manifest and be outworked in and through a life of active and sincere love, a life of love. But not just in loving those who look and act and speak and believe like us, but actually Romans makes a very strong and very clear case that it is in how we love those who are unlike us, who are different to us culturally, theologically and in practice, which really amplifies the gospel, puts flesh to our faith and adds real credibility to our witness to and amongst those who might be looking in on us from a different faith or life perspective. This to me seems consistent with the words and the way of Jesus. One example of this is found in Matthew 5, verse 44 that says, but I tell you, love your enemies. It doesn't just say love your friends, love those who are like you. It says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Prayer is an act of love. I don't know about you, but I'm challenged by this call to unity through love that Paul is making in Romans by inviting his readers, and I think by extension inviting us as the church of today, to participate in the bigger story, to not get hung up on the things that divide us, but think about the bigger story, the things that unite us. He doesn't diminish or devalue the existing differences or concerns, but rather he elevates their perspective and calls us up in the process by anchoring them and again us, once again, to the very thing they exist in and exist for, Jesus Jesus is the one thing that unifies us and holds us all together. Colossians 1 verse 15 to 20 in the message version sums this up beautifully and it says this, we look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything God started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. Wherever you are right now, God is holding it all together. He's with you, He's present. And when it comes to the church, He organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, He's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is He, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Amen. How beautiful is that? So off the back of Romans 12 and off the back of that scripture and off the back of this idea that it's Jesus who unites us and he is far greater than all of the things that may divide us, I have a bunch of questions. How can we love in such a way that fosters unity among the church? How can we love in such a way that is sincere and active? How can we love others in such a way that demonstrates, that amplifies the solid, consistent, reliable, trustworthy, steadfast love of God for and towards those who might be different to us? How can we in this season as a church and as individuals add flesh to the gospel and the good news of Jesus in our world and to a church that seems, at least to me, so divided? My suggestion for us this morning comes out of Romans 12.12 that I talked about at the start. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer and practice hospitality. So let's dig in. Be joyful in hope. I look around and I do wonder often, when I scroll through social media, when I turn on the news, when I engage in conversation with people and ask them how they're feeling at the moment, um, I wonder whether people are being moved by fear and despair or whether they're actually being moved and led by hope. I know about you, but in this moment in history, the world does not need more people piling on despair. It's easy to find bad news right now. The world needs hope. It needs some good news. It needs some joy. It needs the kind of joy that sees, acknowledges, and laments all the suffering, all the fear, but is steeped in and moved into action by hope, which is confident and assured in the gospel of Jesus, and I reckon we are the people to bring it. C.S. Lewis once said this, Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought more and most of the next. Church, I want to encourage us this morning, be joyful in hope. May we be a people that are steeped in hope. Second encouragement this morning. Be patient in affliction. I don't know about you, but I'm one of these people who thinks fast food is slow. I I hate waiting for the kettle to boil. Patience is definitely not a virtue that I possess. I've always known this, but let me tell you, after having kids, I am acutely aware that this is not a virtue I possess. And yet it is something that is required when it comes to embodying sincere and active love. I read uh, Romans 6, and I'm both convinced and convicted all at the same time. It says this in verse 1 to 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I can get around that. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. I don't know about you, but it's been a while since I've gloried in my sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We are in a season, at the moment, it's going on two years of being in lockdown and experiencing, I wouldn't call it mass suffering, but there are people who are suffering on mass in our community. We have the opportunity as the church to be people who persevere, who demonstrate endurance. Again, I quote old mate C.S. Lewis, who says this I suggest to you that it's because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, we are like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves the forms of men. The blows of his chisel, which hurt us so much, are what make us perfect. Steeple fam, the world doesn't need more flaky online influences or people with bucket loads of charisma. The world needs people of character who know how to acknowledge, share and process suffering and who are prepared to endure and persevere in the midst of it. The world, the church, we need people who are prepared to endure, who are patient in the midst of trials and challenging times. It's a fruit of the spirit, patience. So I know it's definitely something we have access to it. Let's access it this morning. Be patient. Let's be patient in affliction. Third point, be faithful in prayer. One of my uh, kind of favourite speakers and authors at the moment is a guy by the name of Rich Lotus, And he says this, "'Prayer is not about throwing holy words at God "'to see what sticks. "'It is rather an entrance to a new way of seeing reality, "'the opening of ourselves to God's presence, "'and an act that trains us in love.'" Friends, there is no way around it. Love doesn't just happen. It requires discipline and training Love is something that is chosen, pursued, practiced and developed through prayer and action. Sincere and active love for others is the outflow of an intimate relationship with God and I believe that that begins in prayer. The world needs faithful prayers because prayer curates intimacy with the Father and intimacy develops love and love actively transforms and moves us to participate in the transformation of the world around us. To quote Martin Luther King Jr. Love is not emotional bash. It is not empty uh, sentimentalism. That's a hard one. It It is the active outpouring of one's whole being into the being of another. Let's be a church that faithfully prays. Let's train ourselves in love. Amen? Number four, practice hospitality. You know I love this one. To quote Martin Luther King Jr. again, he says this, "'Love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. "'You know I believe this, "'and I think that we as a church are on board with this idea.'" And so I'm just going to say this, "'Hospitality is what love looks like when it's dressed in flesh.'" Friends, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir when it comes to this one. So I say all of the things I've said this morning to simply say this, because I believe in this church, I thank God for this church, Keep doing what you're doing if you're already doing it. Continue to be joyful, patient, faithful, and hospitable. I believe that's what's going to get us through this and what's going to bring transformation to our community and to the world. Amen? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, be blessed. Have a great day. See you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listen in. As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you. So please drop us a line via our website or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings, 10 a.m. every Sunday at 208 Whitehorse Road, Baldwin. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.